Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Zero Lift. On this episode, we're discussing roll racing, is it redneck, and toge adventure time. Plus, Lenny has a what I wish I was driving, and the hint is this car barely passes the concept car rule. He's trying to call me out for a snafu I made before, and that's all right. Folks, you're joined by me, Ryan, along with Lenny. I had a really crafty R. Kelly trapped in the closet joke, but it's escaped me, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> uh, beautiful. John? Hello, everyone from sunny Jacksonville, Florida. On and the road again. On the road again. Uh, and we also have a special guest back again, and was a little bit of a gap there. Welcome back, Ken, to Zero Left Podcast. Oh, my God, guys. I'm so excited. You should be. We're excited to have you. So outside of Ken being a special guest, we want to just get cracking here. Uh, we've got some news. You guys have mentioned to me that this new GR Corolla is better than a Type R. I don't believe you. It's a hot hatch. Hands down. But I don't think it's better than the Type R coming. because the, Hands down. It's no discussion. The Type R broke the record at Suzuki. What has this car done? Anything? Well, first off, this generation Type R was without a doubt a monster of a front-wheel drive vehicle. But this new upcoming generation is a pig. It's a pig. It's not even it's a Type R. I want to say it, that it's an SI only. It's it's hideous. No, well, they're coming out it's with the hideous. Type R. Yeah, they're coming out the Type R. But, you know, it's just horribly. It looks like a Kia Stinger mixed with a really, really poorly designed Honda Civic. Like, it's just well, not a good hold on, Hold on a second. We haven't actually seen the new Type R yet, right? Oh, yeah, like, baby. No, yeah, I thought we've only the, seen the... the new Honda Civic SI that, that yeah, the... we just oh, saw it... that, that hit the scuba lap time record. But they've only showed the concept with all the goofy paint and stuff, right? They haven't actually revealed the official Type R yet, right? Correct. Um, no, right. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Moto Trend released an article super long ago with images of what the new type r was going to look like and you know it doesn't matter like even if it looked a little bit different than what they had published the new honda civic is an ugly car it's not good looking yeah so, if, like, it, if it's going to be on the same body and chassis as the new civic si then i agree with ken here that like it's going to look terrible it's hideous it's a very ugly car so this is an off generation for the type R. Okay, so let's talk about the GR Corolla then. So what makes it so cool? Why are you guys talking oh about it? God. Oh, what everything. It doesn't make it cool. Yeah, I mean, if you just, if, first off, it's been a long time since uh, Toyota's released anything like this in the United States, which is like extremely tasty. Because this thing is going to sell like hotcakes. The thing that sucks though, is that, you know, the production number is going to be so limited. They're talking about releasing like a, Around three thousand of them, or something along those lines, which is super limited production numbers. I think it is supposed to be a multi-year uh, car, right? So it's not going to yeah. be a twenty twenty two only. No, actually, it's it's good. not coming out until twenty twenty three. So, oh yeah, but okay. like I think globally for twenty twenty three, they're only releasing like six thousand cars. Those are going to be spread amongst all the continents and. You know, with the way the car market is now, if this thing could potentially be an MSRP of like, you know, $50,000, the dealership markups, it's going to make this thing a $70,000 you know, Toyota Corolla. 
Plus, you're not even talking about Toyota <laughs> tax. I mean, seriously. The things that make this cool, Ryan, are it's the engine, the drivetrain platform, the center locking diff. Like, it's very street rally, Gymkhana, sort of everything, but in a small wheelbase package. Yeah, it's, it's great. Hatch. It's light. I, you, look, well, you're preaching to the guy who loves hot hatches, and I'm looking at this, and I say, this is this is an amazing car. You don't have to preach to me, dude. You're preaching to the choir. It's a hot hatch. We all know how much I like my hot hatches, okay? 1.6 liter three-cylinder turbo, 300 horse ponies right in that sweet pocket to destroy corners. I'm all about this car, and it's got all-wheel drive. It says GR4 all-wheel drive, whatever that means. So that's where you have to tell me the back-end stuff I'm not seeing initially here. But otherwise, I 100% approve this car. Any new hot hatches on the market is a good hot hatch to me. The only so, critique I have of this car, and like it's a really small thing, is the forged carbon roof. I feel like that was like a throw-in okay. piece for no reason. Like I think it could do without. I feel like well, I like. I think I'm that's really actually an I'm option, Len. Oh, is it? If it's an option, then yes. Yeah. Perfect. So I think it's not really necessary. I really it's like just a cover. cover thing. It's just a cover. It's not like actually a carbon roof panel. I don't know. Okay, because I mean, why would we argue with actual carbon fiber structural parts Ever. of the car? Yeah, that, why would you... that's sick? Exactly. You want carbon, right? Yeah. But yeah, to there's... me, it it just feels like a a really act like a accented styled styling piece. It's not really like a for performance, right? Hmm. Carbon. I don't agree. Call. Isn't carbon always performance? Like, what? How do you well, accent with carbon and not have it be performance based based on the carbon's, lightness of the carbon? carbon? It, yeah, it's it, stiff and it's lightweight. Yeah. But what? What? All I'm saying is that if it is just like a carbon like sheet that's placed over the normal car, then yeah, I would rather not have it. Uh, if they actually put a carbon roof panel, which I highly doubt, um, but if they did, sign me up. No, I think they. I think they're legitimately going to do that because I know a. Sm- portion of the production numbers are going to be like fully loaded track spec edition car Corolla mm. like because they're they're releasing a few different iterations of it right so there'll be multiple models like the big model that everybody's seeing right now with the massive spoiler and stuff like that that's not going to be only the Corolla that they offer I think the one that everybody's drooling over right now track spec I think that one is going to be super limited production. So, like I said, I think that's one of the downsides to the vehicle is that the production numbers are going to be so, so limited. Yeah, I agree. I think Toyota is definitely shooting themselves in the foot with this one. They should. Maybe they'll learn. They're testing the water with this to see if it takes off. You know what I mean? Like. Look at I think pro- so. look at the production of of Type R's when they they came back to see how many of those are you know I mean they're just testing the water to see if these get bought up real quick great that means that we know the next year is going to have a higher production value I think uh, that's they're going to get bought up so I, fast yeah so fast. we say that but you just don't oh, yeah. know with the market right I really do Actually, enjoy the the rear wheel base on these as well I have to point that out the the like wide stance on the rear wheels makes them pop I like it. 
Can I say, just as the vintage uh, connoisseur here, what do you think it'll do to the value of the old, like, ST205 Celica GT4s? Or um, maybe some of the other sort of rally-focused Toyotas out of the JDM market that Toyota made that are now legal, you know, for classic import? You think that'll uh, boost them up as well? My opinion is this. Those cars were never super popper, super popular in the market. They weren't high performers, and they're honestly pretty ugly. Oh, I mean... Yeah, but they're pretty limited limited run, like uh, that Celica GT4, the, the limited one. Uh, I, think it, I, I think it's the ST205 homologation special. I could be wrong. Uh, but I think they only made like 4,000 of those, or maybe for like just a year. I don't know. But I know that there's a few special edition early 90s Toyotas. Yeah, the, the ST205 is the one with the aggressive hood scoop and stuff like that. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I think Sam actually had one of those, didn't he? Didn't Sam have one? Uh, he had something called a GT4 Corolla, I think it was a definitely. wagon. Oh no, no, no. it he was also it was had, also turbo though. I'm pretty sure he had a Celica GT4. I don't know if he had you know the super special edition ST205, but if I recall correctly, oh, he wait, did he have did one. have yes, yeah. he did have one, but it was it wasn't yeah. the ST205 if I remember. But yeah, yeah, I think um, <laughs> I think those. I think those kind of cars were kind of duds, and you know, in that era, I think it was kind of hard to compete with the Evo and the STI, and I think that's why I like this new Corolla so much, because it kind of is reminiscent to the days of the Evo and the STI, when they were just so badass, super lightweight, manual gearboxes, you know, like, you haven't seen something like that in a while. The new Impreza yeah, have been it's true. pretty lackluster. Mitsubishi is done with the Evo. That's never coming back. Yes, the Evo is dead yeah. now. Yeah, and the, you the guys Evo are just 10 describing hot hatches. I just Evo like, is not a hot hatch. I know That's that. So what's the thing? This is what I'm. This is my thing though. This is a hot hatch, right? This to me is just another hot hatch. Toyota's finally putting out a hot hatch because they have the Yaris for WRC, but they have never had something on the civilian side for somebody to pick up with the numbers and the stats that this car has. Is that correct? Well, they I think did. You have to be a, no, they I think you, did. I think you have to be a little bit a little bit more precise with the way you say it. it's not just another hot hatch, right? Like what other hot hatch can you say that has this sort of all-wheel drive system, a three-cylinder turbocharged engine, the the aero, the suspension that it has, like it it's got this some crazy like a, suspension okay, as well. I mean, off, this looks I mean, like it's a not Ford something RS to just me. like another one, right? No, it yeah, is. you got a you got the Focus RS with yeah, 50 exactly. more horsepower. Thank you, John. Cylinder. I know my shit with my hot hatches. Exactly. I went right to the yeah, RS. but but what RS isn't in production anymore. Oh, you're right. You no, Ken's got a point. Focus okay, isn't okay. in production anymore. And while that car was super awesome, he had a lot of mechanics issues with that thing it did for for years they were having head gasket failure because the motors were assembled in a plant utilizing the wrong head gasket so that's you, true you're telling <laughs> you me know? so this toyota because it's a toyota it becomes toyota tax level sort of toyota stuff and essentially it's not gonna have any problems no that's because the dealerships are able to put whatever markup that they want from from the manufacturer yeah. and that's just the agreement that they have yeah. so that's just business oh, it's just toyota tax dude 
In my opinion, Toyota tax exists in the used car market, right? Yeah. Resale value of Toyotas has always and for the unforeseeable future will remain incredible, right? Like yeah, they're just always. they're so reliable. They're so reliable. Right now, though, you're seeing crazy markups at dealerships, and that is legitimately just due to supply and demand, right? Absolutely. Dealerships have no cars in the lots. The cars that they do are all used cars, right? Like right. so, that's why you see such a crazy hike in the prices right now. Inevitably, that's going to go down at some point. You know, we're gonna we're gonna figure out all these supply shortages Sometime. hopefully soon. No, probably. I he look as a hot hatch guy and someone who has always kind of contemplated when I was getting into cars, Honda, Toyota, Honda, Toyota, right? This to me is an offering by Toyota that makes me question like my Honda boyness with the Type R question, but not change or waiver. Because you're right, the stats on this thing are amazing. It's not an 8.6, it's not the Supra. It competes with that hot hatch sort of market that I really enjoy. And it's got amazing stats. I it doesn't come out to 2023, so I'd like to see some actual more tests on it and information. But this is a sick car. It's a it's a definitely in my type of uh group of cars that i enjoy so it's a good find on the news from that i appreciate you guys now i have a question is this the type of car that i could go roll racing in and if i did whatever you consider redneck <laughs> oh gosh i don't know who wants to take that one that's a terrible oh. segue jesus oh man that was a beautiful that segue. That was this is something that, that, that I'd, I'd take up on a, a toge like an, an uphill battle, absolutely. Sure. So that's your total dominate time. Up, okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So here's my question, folks, with my awful segue, according to my compadres here, is why do we roll race? And I see it at least once a week here, even in the middle of the United States. And what separates that and makes a difference from Toge? Now, I'm I'm sitting here with three people who lived in Japan and took fast cars in the hills. And we have an episode on Toge. It's one of our most popular, and you can go listen to that. We'll explain more about what Toge is. But what what really is the difference between doing Wangan, right, our midnight sort of stuff, we have two episodes on that you can listen to, versus what we want to talk about tonight, which is roll racing, which seems to be a predominantly American sort of thing. What's the difference? What I wouldn't time? say it's American. Okay. And I think, like, to break it down, maybe to say – it's a more of a cultural phenomenon, really. Uh, it's bec become more popular with the YouTubers, um, like 1320 videos, or the M Mexican Racing League, I think was another YouTube channel that got popular for a while. Like, it's just a bunch of dudes on highways and, you know, places going from 40 to 150 miles an hour. Uh, and that's it. That's what they're doing. That's it. That's the the whole thing of roll racing, and there's nothing more to that. So, is there like rules to it? Is there like some underwritten code of honor? Because, like, again, you guys will shame me for this, but I'm I'm on the interstate going home on the outer loop of Omaha, and I have two American muscle cars that are brapping and making noise as they come around me. Um, a I think Chevy Camaro and I know a Ford Mustang and they're kind of both brapping and driving and they line up next to each other on the interstate. We're going about 75 miles per hour 
And then they kind of brap, and then they both take off in unison, right? And I go, all right, why not? And I take off, and I floor it too in my shitbox, Odyssey. And then they stop after like 50 feet, and they maybe went from 75 to like 85 miles per hour and then gave up. And so like I was like, why would you even do that? You didn't even scale up your cars to where they should be. It just didn't seem... It just seemed very rednecky. Okay. Like, look at my what, big tires what, and diesel engine. What, and I, I pume smoke out of my car and then I stop. It just doesn't make any sense what, to me. What you witnessed was a innocent enough display of testosterone. That wasn't a real roll race. That was two dudes in cars that just wanted to run them, and they probably did a thirty, like a seventy to a hundred, and then called it because they didn't want to get caught by the cops, and they right. weren't really about that life. And that's, I mean, shit, dude. I took my Ducati out today, and like from one stoplight to the next, I just ripped a wheelie. Big deal. Sure. Um, that's essentially all they did. They were just next to each other. But I've uh, seen on the same on the same loop. I've seen people do it for longer distances with similar type of cars. Yeah, well, there's certain places where roll racing is like a big freaking deal like in texas man there's like this whole oh yeah yeah there's like this whole illicit street race community based around roll racing and they go out on the highway and they honk their horn three times and they like bet money like a lot of money on it and they like agree beforehand oh we're gonna run it to 150 or whatever oh you pulled a car length on me or whatever um I personally, I don't know, I could get a lot of hate on this if there's people listening that do that stuff, but like, I personally just think it's kind of like lowest common denominator of racing because you basically, you're basically, it's a straight line discipline, right? So you're basically taking drag racing, you're basically taking drag racing and you're distilling all of the actual skill that, because I'll tell you this, a lot of people, especially circuit racers like to shit on drag racing because they don't turn they just go straight right drag racing drag racing to be good at it is fucking hard okay at a professional level at a professional yeah. level 100 percent. Yeah. when you're roll racing minimal skill you take, right minimal you take skill. the launch you take the launch out there's no yeah. launch you start in the gear that you're gonna so, be in no there's no clutch manipulation you're just there and it's just one two three and you just got to time the drop and you hit it and then you don't miss a shift so um, yeah. here's my question. And then there, then there's the whole. Uh, then there's the whole only to uh, like 150 mile, you know, whatever. Like some preset speed, like yeah. But that's the deciding factor. How do you agree? Is it? Is it? Is it? That's the thing. Is that like okay? Let's say I wanted to not have my Honda Odyssey and I wanted to go buy a Corvette. And how would I get into that? The rules of it and everything like that. There's no set sort of. Oh. Bro, you can go to any car meet in any major American city and ask somebody if they want to roll. And they'll roll. And they'll probably do it. 100%. When I was in 100%. Norfolk, when I was in Norfolk, like there were guys every car meet that, and like they, they were like betting money. There was like circles. There was like a betting circle around, and people were like, Talking shit. Oh, you can't put your nitrous system on, or you gotta t- put your turbo map <laughs> sure. to this. And they were like betting and wheeling and dealing with it. And they're no anti. So here's why I find it to be very American: is that if you look at the highest discipline of circuit racing, okay, in America versus international, aka Indy versus F1, 
F1 starts with a grid start, five red lights out. Indy does a rolling start. NASCAR does a rolling start. All American race car disciplines do rolling starts. So does that transfer and basically dilute down through Reaganomics into how people basically do it on the streets here? Ah, bro. Why is that? Nah. Okay. Nah, bro. Well, you got you to look at it this way, right? So most people who are roll racing are, I shouldn't say most people, right? But a sure. vast majority of people who are roll racing are in like Ford Mustangs. Yeah, American Maybe cars. Corvettes. Challengers. American Camaros. America. 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 That. Exactly. And, you know, if you're making a decent amount of horsepower, like let's say you're making 750 horsepower. How many ducks is you that? Launched, you launch that thing, it's going to spin the tires everywhere. You're probably going to crash because you don't know how to drive. So if you're mm-hmm. already going 40 miles an hour, it's really easy to hook up versus going from a dig. Go from a dig. There's a lot more going on. You got to, you know, feather the clutch out a little bit. Maybe rely yep. on launch control. Okay. Maybe traction control is going to fuck you up and then you're going to stall out or something. So, you know, when you're rolling from 40, you literally just put it in a gear, put your foot down, done. You take out basically every other variable. Until you see those videos of guys blowing down the highway doing like 80 miles an hour and they lose traction and then smash into 60 cars, the guardrail, and the house. You know what it is, man? It's just people partake in those activities don't usually know how to drive. You you can look at one of those videos of a 650-wheel horsepower Corvette spinning out and you will see absolutely zero throttle lift and not even an ounce of corrective steering so so they've got twelve thousand ducks and they don't know what to do with them ryan i'll I'll tell you this okay my my skyline makes about makes 520 at the wheels right okay on a highway doing roll racing that's about eight thousand ducks ryan yeah thanks yeah that's right eight thousand ducks for the gtr fans at home so on on a highway doing roll racing type stuff um, it's, I mean, it's fast, but it's like, it's not scary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, on a racetrack coming out of corners, it is absolutely fucking terrifying. Like it's so much it's, fun though. Oh, it's, so it's a blast. I but, would but you know what I'm saying? Like makes it fun. Yeah. What I'm saying is what I'm saying is highway racing in a car with 500 wheel horsepower is fast but it's not a super visceral experience no i would track think track so. yeah track driving on a car with that much horsepower is extreme sensory overload and what i think this kind of phenomenon comes from is like the american highway system a lot of open space a lot of yeah. highways a lot of people that don't want to get into competition or into performance driving but they like building cars sure and they build a car with 500 horsepower and they're like yeah it's like fast, but it's not that fast. And they build a car with 800 horsepower. I'm like, oh, okay, this is pretty freaking scary. Um, and so they're just chasing being scared in a straight line. And that's so that's boring what to people, me. Well, that's what people respond to. I that's guess. Like, yeah, that's what sells cars. Horsepower numbers is what sells I guess. cars. So look. Zero to 60. No, I, that, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Zero to 60 matters only the fact of how fast. Zero to 60 matters to a lot, it does. To a lot of people. Let me explain. To so, a lot of people. Listen, as a car noob and somebody getting into this discipline, right? For me, it's always been circuit, probably because I'm biased because I came into it as a circuit fan. And like 
for me, it is zero to 60 is important only of how fast can I come out of the corner, not how fast can I maintain in a straight line. That, that the whole thing is you may be able to go fast in a straight line, but I'm quicker in the corners. And that has always been my mindset, I think. And so for me, this whole roll racing mindset really reminds me of dudes with lift trucks, diesel, spouting smoke type of mentality. And it just doesn't interest me at all. It doesn't matter what type of car you're in. Like, find me on the corners. I'm going to beat you in my fucking Honda Odyssey. It doesn't matter. Cause, because no, I know here's why. Yeah. Oh, dude, here's, here's why, though, is because you got into this. You got into Formula One and like competition first, right? Yeah, yeah. And you are interested in who the better driver is. You're interested in the personal <laughs> skill. Right. The one thing, well, yeah, but the thing that roll racing does do is it essentially removes the driver thing and you're comparing machines uh, at that so point. That's so boring, though. I mean, because, I, okay. I, there's something there's something to be said for it though. Like but if whose you look car at, is faster? I but now I would agree. It, I would agree with John there, except uh, I think that's a, almost a strictly American thing in the roll racing aspect. Um, it's because so it, it's only to a certain speed, right? Uh, and I think both uh, or the three of us, John, Ken, and myself here, have some personal experience with running uh our cars on some highways in japan on the wangan um that was a sort of different thing completely i think uh I, it wasn't more of a whose car was fastest it was more of a who has the bigger set of brass balls i don't know correct me i i mean i sometimes i viewed what we did in the wangan is it wasn't a competition it was just an experience yeah, yeah, and I, I would agree. I would also agree with that. Then the, yeah. the way you've described that, but here's here's my here's my conundrum again. Because if I look at the top form of American racing, Indy, because to me Indy is superior to NASCAR. I appreciate NASCAR and the skill base, but Indy, all of the cars are the same. So unlike Formula One, where every single like Mercedes, Red Bull, McLaren, they all have different cars. Ferrari, Forza Ferrari this year apparently, they all have different cars. In Indy, every car is the same. It all comes down to driver skill. Even in NASCAR, it all comes down to driver skill. So it's so bizarre that the top-level NASCAR and Indy American disciplines are all driver-based because the cars are the same. Yeah. It's so weird. Whereas, car, you know what I mean? The cars are the same, but all the all the teams have different uh, suspension setups. Dampers. Setups, all you, all like... you can adjust really is dampers and, yeah, individual car tech specs to the driver skill to amplify the driver skill more than it is pure machine based when it comes to American racing. And so, whereas like the difference of like, congratulations, you mastered the V6 hybrid era Mercedes. Here's your eight championships in a row. That would not happen in American racing because it's all down to how can we modify our car on the small scale to amplify the driver skill ability. And that doesn't happen on the, american streets and that's so it's it's odd to me and very redneck almost it's not like look at me and my driver well, skill there is nothing more redneck than i just want to put that out there i think <laughs> i think i think what you're what you're doing though is you're trying to compare two things that aren't really comparable because sure. you're talking about like you know, the average 23 year old who has a fucking mustang Okay. professional drivers in NASCAR and IndyCar. And I don't think 
there's much correlation there. Like I don't I don't think the average 23 year old who's driving in a Ford Mustang doing roll racing is like, yeah, they do this in IndyCar, so we're gonna do this. I don't I don't think that's I, I, and that's the thing. Do. Maybe that's me being an older coming in this discipline as a race guy and looking at it from the surfing experience. As me and my 20 year olds, I I had a Mitsubishi Galant and a Hyundai Accent, right? Manuals, but like nonetheless not necessarily these cars that produced a lot of ducks. And so for me, it's always, I've always had a more visceral and better experience in a car, regardless of what it is in the corners than I have in a straight line. And like, yeah, because you were broke and didn't have a fast car. Yeah. But those cars are still <laughs> fast in corners. <laughs> Who gives a shit? I, <laughs> hey, you know what? But the, you but, know what I'm saying? Dude, like, I'm just saying like, like, when when you got in my old Turbo RX-7, the yeah. first thing you said after I took off from the light was, it's so angry. Yeah. So like, well, yeah. So imagine if you drove that every single day. Sure. You'd probably be like, like just ripping it from light to light. Like it makes sense. It's a, it's a dopamine hit. Every yeah. time you hit the gas, a little dopamine hit. Like I, I get it. I'm not saying I'm better than that. Yeah. So the dopamine hit in America is essentially roll racing. Now you guys want to talk about your toge and your adventure time and your Wongon stuff in Japan. So are you going to old man idolize Japan? Like you all want to be samurai or is it like, what's the difference here culturally America versus Japan? Well, first off, I don't want to be a samurai. Those were the bad guys. Um, what? But... <laughs> oh, no. Depending, depending on which era yeah. in, in yeah, Japan don't you're, even. you're reading from. Yes, exactly. that's correct. Yeah, They can be, but they're not. Let's, geez, Louise. <laughs> oh, but it's just, it's just very, right? It's just very different. So role racing in the United States in comparison to what we were doing in Japan, slightly different. One, we were very involved in the culture, right? We were going to Tatsumi, we were going to Daikoku, and we were just trying our best as foreigners to live that lifestyle, which I think we did pretty successfully. Yeah, I, I think agree. we did. We we blend in pretty well for foreigners. That's for like, guys, you know. I'll give look. I'll give I'll give Japan their due. Look, the the C one loop racing and the Wangan racing and stuff is irresponsible and dangerous as fuck. Period. Uh, Absolutely think, dangerous. And and the other thing is, it's kind of like the difference between racing and a track day. Like, I just I don't think going out on the Wangan and just like because we all went out at two in the morning and we would hit two fifty k. And or we would drive the C1 loop at a pretty spirited pace, but like we weren't competing. And just if you're not competing, when you hit traffic, you just slow down. It's not a big deal. Okay. Um, so I, I mean, at least for me, if you do it for the experience, you can still kind of be a little reckless but not be a complete danger to yourself and others whereas if you're like i've got to beat this guy for money now you're, you're putting a whole other set of psychological issues and like risk that you're willing to accept i would agree with you there john uh and it was never really about money but there was definitely at least for me at certain times a psychological aspect of I've needed I need to beat this guy in his time just just for me and my, you know, overall competitiveness. Uh, you know, 
because I'm I'm a maniac or it was more of such at one point, you know? Yeah. And that's and that's all well and good, but I'm just saying you can't you can't say that you're better than Dallas Roll Racers at that point just because you're on the legendary Wan Gun. That's all I'm saying. Like as long True as you enough. just like, hey, we're all we're all gearheads. We all break the law from time to time. As long as you just accept the fact that you're a dirty, rotten criminal. Like I'm a dirty, rotten criminal. I get it. Uh, you know, just just be realistic about what you are. Like because you're in the motherland in Japan on these crazy roads. Like in and you're a weeb. That doesn't make you better than dudes <laughs> in Texas. So what's the legit way to go about it then? Let's say let's say I, I go out and buy myself a fast car that's not a hot hatch and I naturally attune myself to circuit racing. Let's say I'm a twenty something year old and a hyped up high duck car. How do I make it legit? What's that look like? How do I go about Go this? to the racetrack. Autocross. You go to the racetrack. Yeah. You track yeah. Race. If yep. you can't afford the racetrack because track fees are too expensive and can't afford the brakes and you can't afford the tires go have some fun at autocross 100 learn how to drive Brain. your car learn how to drive your car even if your car isn't set up to be fast on a track you could still go to an autocross event and learn so much about just driving you know but what like, about what about drag the racing basics of driving cars? because i know that i have a I, here in the midwest in omaha i have a drag circuit the drag circuit is this is the straight on our on our circuit here on our actual track. The straight of that is also the shortened drag racing. I don't know the different lengths of drag racing, but it's a shorter drag racing essentially. And so the straight of the circuit here that's local is also the drag come racing. Come on, man! We got Friday Night Lights. Are you talking about Mid America Motorplex? Yeah, I twenty nine Dragway is what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have a quarter mile track, and if they don't, they, they definitely have an. They might have an eighth mile, but a quarter mile is the standard for drag racing. Yeah, that is the international yeah. like. And so, drag like, race if I have it here in Omaha, yeah. I'm sure anybody you guys have it in California. John, you have it in DC, probably in Huntsville, and now in Florida, there are tracks out there. So, like, are you are we yeah, saying dude. are we saying hey, screw the roll racing, get out there, do it for real. And, and hone your skills. All right, that's what we're saying. Essentially, yeah, correct? buy a C5 vet, yeah. get some heads, get a set of cams, get some exhaust and some sticky get icky. Some head. <laughs> like, what's the, uh, way, what's the way to go about it? You'll be doing eleven in no times. Only the only limitation to you driving your car on any track is how fast you are. Okay. Like, you could take a stock, a completely stock car, if you're your first track day and you're slow. Yeah, you, you could take a Honda Odyssey out there. Hundred percent. Yeah. If you, it doesn't matter. Like the only Use time. Use all the VTEC, yeah. <laughs> Stop like if I could go, no, if I could go back in time to my sixteen-year-old self, yeah, I would. I would tell me stop building cars, take your car to the track, and then when you fail something, upgrade it. And what's going to happen first is your tires and your brakes are going to be shitty. Right. And then you put better pads on, and you put better tires on, and then you go, and then eventually will outstrip something else that's right. how you you're gonna find you're gonna find the weak links in your car pretty quickly as you advance at the circuit so be it either a quarter mile or an actual full circuit your car will tell you where it needs upgrades no i think a quarter mile is stupid 
<laughs> you do, but there are a lot of people that don't. And so what I'm saying is like, here's I know. What, no, what do you drive? What do you, yeah, okay. What do you drive, Ken? What, what's your car choice? Uh, so <laughs> right now I've got a Toyota F right? So, no, I'm not out there hitting the track like the best of them, but I'll look, I mean, I'll go I've to been... bat. Yeah, I'll go to bat for Ken when he had his GC8. Boy, it was fast as fuck on the racetrack. Yeah, I just, I'll, I just love I'll, to I'll drive, out. like, I love to drive whole building of the car experience and so much to me right it's like, i'm just an auto enthusiast right but like me personally this is just my personal opinion drag racing unless you're at top of the sport it's it's pretty stupid pretty stupid um i don't think you get a lot out of it if you're yeah. there with your stock arrow and you're running 13 second quarter mile times, like you're not getting anything from that. Maybe a little personal enjoyment, right? But like, that's it. You're not learning anything about your car because at that point in your your driving abilities, you already know how to operate a mountain transmission in a clutch or you're using an automatic transmission. There's no heel toe. There's no counter steering unless you're hitting the wall. And most people do that anyways. There's no cornering, well, which is the true joy. The of other racing. thing, well, the other now, now I'm not going to shit on drag racing. But the thing, the <laughs> thing, here's the reason I don't like going to drag race is, no, I've done it before, but like drag racing is a great way to break your car. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, you're just basically nothing's warmed up properly necessarily if you're a complete noob. Oh man, like no, dude, like you can do everything right and still spin a stub stub axle or crack a cv joint or just wreck your transmission or smoke your clutch like it's yeah. just gonna happen it's wow. just gonna happen man like it's a that's like a lot of like hard jarring wear and tear yeah. on your vehicle's drivetrain just plowing it off the line like that it's just like meh so unless you've got a super duper fast car you now unless you've got a 1200 horsepower car i just don't see the excitement in it i really don't yeah. Interesting. And it, it's a different world. Like the guys in old skylines that are really into drag racing go through a transmission a season. Wow. Yeah. Like so I'm talking wrecked, so like wrecked, we, like shattered. So you, you, to me, it sounds like we're basically saying guys that are roll racing, keep roll racing. Cause otherwise you're going to break the cars. <laughs> you can't afford anyways. No, I'm not saying that at all. Well. I'm saying, Hey guys that are roll racing, if you want to brag about something, Go to the track and there and brag about that. On some lab know? times, yeah. Okay. All those guys in in Texas, they need to go to fucking Coda. Yeah, you see dude. what you can do yeah. at Coda, right? You know? Coda is amazing. Coda's Coda's such a good amazing track. track. You don't it's have so to do good. the GP track. You know they have so many different track orientations. Just go there and see what happens. Coda is amazing. Go, go. You'd be surprised how many of those guys with like you know seven hundred and fifty wheel horsepower cars end up stuffing it in the first corner. I've seen it firsthand. Seriously, you know? that's sad. <laughs> We've I mean, got a good friend is... who's out there in Texas who, and he's got buddies that plow their cars through shit all the time. <laughs> My thing is like the the roll racing, like why up to like 150 miles an hour, right, or like 120 or whatever. Like, what's up with the the predetermined top speed? At that point, you're breaking one. You're breaking the law at such a such a rate. That it's a felony no matter what. So like, 
why not just be like, yo, the first one to 200 miles an hour, you know, wins or something astronomical if you're going to do it that much. And these dudes have like 1,200 horsepower cars or whatever. And so, like, they're probably that quick. I just don't understand. 200 miles per hour takes a lot of power. It takes a lot of power. It takes a lot of distance. Yeah, and it takes a lot of fucking balls too, man. You know that that gap between 150 and 2,000 hour is big, big. I think what's like the wall that you hit? I think they say like around 155 miles an hour. Like you basically, it's like hitting a brick wall. Yes, that's true. You know, like after like 280 in the 32 GTR, it becomes sort of a brick. Yeah, I mean, you know. But the climb up to 320 is is definitely a little longer. Takes, I takes... don't. I just personally don't understand that. Like I don't understand the aspect of that. You know, doing 200 miles an hour on a public road sounds just ridiculous to me. It really does. At that point, you're putting so many people at risk. If anything goes wrong, if you have a tire, 150. I mean, you're going so fast at 150. What does it really matter at that point? Is what I'm, I'm not. I'm, saying, I'm not saying that you should go 150 either. You know, listen. When yeah, I was absolutely Japan, not. I agree. When I was in Japan, did we do some rowdy shit? Yeah, but bro, my car was always governed at 180 kilometers per hour, man. You know, <laughs> and, I was, and I was, I was very rarely. Very rarely trying to go faster than that. You know, I had that speedo cut that I had installed in my car for twin ring Motegi. I only had it in there for like three months. And I, I honestly, like every time I'd creep up to 180, I'd be like, oh shit, I'm going too fast. I'm going to slow down. You know, <laughs> shit starts shaking. It makes a lot of wind noise. Your hood's fluttering. You're like, yeah, this wasn't meant for this. <laughs> this is a brick. This is a brick on wheels. <laughs> You know, I the fastest I've ever had any car up to was in the GTR, and it was like 165-ish. And I got to say, it was like no drama at all. It was boring. So nobody here has gone over 200 miles per hour? No. I mean, in an aircraft, but... Well, yeah. I think I'm the only one. Is that... Or so he says. Is that right before your engine exploded, Lenny? Everything. I think it was. I think everything exploded at that point. Yeah, everything exploded. The engine, the front diff, the drive shafts. So essentially, what we've learned is roll racing guys. Look, get on an actual track. Learn to (laughs) do corners. Going fast is cool, but like, there's better ways to go about it. And if you want to do drag racing, it sounds pretty cool to me. Uh, But it's gonna break your shit. It's gonna break your shit. So talking about breaking roll shit, racing will break your shit. I want to talk about breaking shit. Lenny is close to breaking the rules of concept cars for what I wish I was driving. And I really want to see if this passed the test because I got called out pretty hardcore when I broke the concept car rule. Uh, so Lenny, that's your hint. John, do you want to give us, you're pretty good at laying down the rules for people who haven't heard before. What are we doing here for what I wish I was driving? Yeah, okay, just sneezed. Um, all right, so <laughs> segments essentially are a version of 20 questions with cars. So today, let me pick a car. We got 20 yes or no questions to guess what it is. We only get one guess at what it is. Uh, if we guess wrong, the game is over. And uh, I think that's about it. Yeah. Send so it. That, yeah, I guess yeah. we'll let the questioning Let's begin. Shakabra. Shakabra. Um, Right. 
I mean, is this car European? No. No Euro. Are we uh, think? Lenny, is this car Ask. American? Yes. Ooh. Got it. Lenny, was this car's original manufacture date before 1990? No. Okay. Is this a clarification question? Generational or no? No. Okay, so we don't have to worry about gen, gen issues. Okay. I'm going to count that as question four. No, it's not. Oh, Shut that's up. Not you a forgot question. to classify it before starting. Which No. No, no I didn't. No. For a specific reason. Oh. No, it's a question because fuck you. Excuse me. That's part of the rules. Is John, in the beginning, has always clarified if it was <laughs> a generational question or not. So don't ball bust yeah. me about concept car breaking and then try to push rules. Okay. Uh, I need to just, does this have a V8? It does not. Ooh. How is this an American car without a V8? That's strange. Okay. Well, I know. It's I strange. thought I kind of had an idea of where this was going, but now I'm a little bit thrown off. Hey. Let me ask you, Lenny, is this a Ford? No. Okay. Does this have a V12? No. What? That was a throwaway question. Yeah. I just want to make sure we're going down in centimeters. Okay. Not so up. it's so it's not a Ford and it doesn't have a V12. Yeah, V12, no yes. V8. So we're looking at V6, V4. So is this a no, no, dude, don't, don't, don't. There's no such thing as a V4 except for weird wazoo shit. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this a four? So it's just a four <laughs> cylinder and a V6. My apologies. So do we want to go front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, mid engine, that all yada yada? Um, is this rear wheel drive? Is this rear wheel drive? He doesn't even. He doesn't yes. know. It is. Yes. Okay. Yes. Is this car mid engine? No. Okay. Which makes um, sense as an American car. Not a lot of American cars are mid engine. Does this have a six-cylinder of some fashion? It does have a six-cylinder of some fashion. Some. What do you mean by some fashion? Like a V versus uh, inline? It could be correct. Okay. I'm catching on. I'm becoming less and less of a car noob every day, folks. So you, you too can mm-hmm. become less of a car noob if you listen to Zero Left Podcast. Shameless plug. Oh. We're narrowing it down here, right? We haven't figured out whether or not it's a sport or not, but we do know that it's rear-wheel drive, and it's got a six-cylinder. Yes. And it's American, and it's not a Ford. Yes. Mm. Lenny, was this car fashioned to look like a much older vehicle? Should we say retro styling? I will only answer yes to your original question. Fashion to look like a much older vehicle. But not retro. No, I, I'm only answering the first question. Oh. Well, th- Is the second question a separate, a separate question? Multi, it's, a, it's a multi-choice question. I, no, it's not a multi-choice oh. question. They mean the same thing. Anyway, it's okay. It's fashion to look like an older vehicle. Okay. Uh 
many was this made by the Plymouth, or I'm sorry, the Mopar conglomerate? Can you be uh, more definitive than that? Can you say what the Mopar conglomerate is? Dodge Chrysler, I like, believe. Yeah, Dodge Chrysler, Chrysler Plymouth, that, that those guys. Yes. Wait, and you said this is a six-cylinder, right? Could this be a, yeah. re, a renaming of something as well, besides it being retro and looking older, like a re, rebadge of a name type of situation? No, I don't, okay. I don't, think, I don't think that's what it is. Well, because it would basically be something that was – so it's a concept car that is breaking – he's trying to be a dick about it. So it would be like they produced like five of them or something like – they actually made a few but not many essentially is what it sounds like. Yeah, that's that's what I think he's And so it's post-90s. It's a six-cylinder of some sort. It yeah. is Mopar. So like I, I think it would be like a renaming of a something – because that's kind of mm. that's kind of thing, right? They just bring back the name, got, right? Uh, I got an idea of what it might be. Okay, let's get some um, shots. Uh, yeah. Shots on gold. Was this this branded as a Plymouth? Yes. No, oh shit! Yeah. John, I think I know John, don't now. mess up the J, dude. You messed up the J last time, so come on. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Ken, you got questions narrowed down. Um, so did this vehicle resemble something that was maybe an open wheeled race car? Yes. Oh yeah, I know exactly what it is. Okay. Okay, John. Um you know what he's going with yeah. here. Were you able to drive this vehicle with no top or the top down? Like con You were. It did have a convertible feature. All right, so John, do you just want to go on the guess on this? Uh, I want to. I, I think, ask I a think couple we... more. Uh, yeah. Did this vehicle have a name that you might give to someone that creeps around and stalks you? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. All right, so I'll okay, ask yeah. you one more question. Okay. Was this vehicle a huge underperformer, and it was all looks and no go? <laughs> yeah okay so i need yes. i need i need ken and yes, john to shoot the j at the same time on this please for the love of god ken john unanimous j shooting on this please can you want to take it or you want me to same we'll time. do it on three same time one okay. two three plymouth prowler plymouth prowler <laughs> nice work winner 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 chicken dinner this uh. is <laughs> The Plymouth Prowler. There it this is. was produced from 1997 to 2002. Only 11,702 of them were made. Uh, they were based off a concept car that Daimler Chrysler had made back in 2000, or, or excuse me, in 1993. It was only one generation, front engine, rear drive, rear transmission configuration, V6, had a 3.5 liter V6. Uh, 3. 6, called the egg. It was a 3.3. I think it was a 3.3 liter, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, 3.5 egg V6. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Egg, yeah. And a four speed uh, it only made, 42 LE automatic. Only made 214 horsepower, like Ken said. It was all show, no go. Um, things that it did have over things like the Dodge Viper was like safety features that actually made it a daily driver. So, like, yeah. maybe if. Dodge had put those in the early 
earlier Vipers, maybe those would have been a little bit more successive, successful, but, you know, who knows? Man, this looking at the plot Prowler just reminds me of when there was Prowlers, there was uh, H1s all over the place, and there was the, uh, what's the other car that everybody drove back then? The HHR that was also weird. Yeah. Uh, that pickup truck that Chevy made with an SS mo- motor in it the, or something. What's the damn car I'm thinking of that's like the golden child of like pre-crossover cars that looks like a fucking missile? PT Cruiser? Yeah, PT oh Cruiser. Yeah, you <laughs> had Prowlers, Cruisers, <laughs> and Hummers all over the road in the early 2000s, kids. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was a wild days. It was lovely. Yeah, look, the Prowler wasn't. A bad looking car. That, Can you no. imagine? Oh, it was a cool looking car, but yeah. like the people yeah. who drove it usually had like foam glasses. I feel like and, like slick. I feel back like hair. I feel like Prowler, I feel like Prowler owners are people that couldn't afford Corvettes. Kinda. Well, they could probably afford it. They just wanted to be more exclusive and didn't care about the driving experience. Ugh, gross. I also want to put it out. They there sound like roll racers, those- dude. <laughs> Some of those PT cruisers that had the 2.4 cylinder turbo uh, uh, motor in them were dream cruiser package. You know, those things were fast. They were because it was the same fast. as an SRT4. We should just yeah, do a whole episode same on PT SRT cruisers. Up. Whole episode on PT cruisers. Uh, hey, yeah. can you imagine how history might have remembered the Prowler differently if they had put a legit V8 in it? Oh, yeah. yeah, it would have been a completely different car, man. Yeah, it would have been a huge success. And that's what yeah. that car should have had. Oh, 100%. At I, least I'm, at least a V8. Yeah, I'm absolutely. just so blown away by it, you know, because when you saw that thing rolling down the road, you're like, holy shit, what is that? You think it, yeah, it was spicy. And then you find out that it does 0 to 60. Nine <laughs> seconds. It does, it does 0 to 60 eventually. Like, huh? you, got, you have to realize that my, my van has more ducks than this thing that looks more sporty and that's silly yeah that's silly but to be fair your van also has more ducks than a ferrari 308 that's fair <laughs> it's just a big old body on it and then you know it does what it does i but I, your van your your van's probably faster than a ferrari 308 that's Straight sad up. that's so sad yes. but you know pi baby i wish i wish someday that i would have a car that is not a minivan for me to brag about and compare shit box cars against but Eventually, that will save, come. Save them shekels. I'm going to shave them shekels. Well, folks, uh, I just want to say thank you for sticking around for another episode of Zero Left Podcast. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Zero Left Podcast. Let us know what you think. Tell us what next episode we should talk about. We'll literally talk about anything. Uh, Ken, I want to thank you for joining us. It has been a pleasure once again to have you on this podcast and help narrow down what I wish I was driving. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Lenny, uh, you've got an experience coming up in front of you. John, you have an experience coming up in front of you. So it'll be interesting next week what these two boys are going to be talking about. Do you want to share that with the with the community before we go? Where, you, where you're at? I think Lenny's going to stay tight-lipped. All right. Uh, what? He's Let's in the closet. Wrap this up. Lenny, I'm Lenny, in the closet. Lenny is in the closet. He's, he's not going to tell us what's happened in the next 24 hours. John's got no, some. No, literally in the closet. Like, uh, yeah. Do you want to tell us in the closet, why you're? Stone. Do you want to tell us why you're in the closet, R. Kelly, or whatever you were trying to rap reference before? She opened the dresser. 
I pulled out my Beretta. I don't know. That's all I got. Okay, so I take that as no. <laughs> John's John's moving on up in the world. I'm rocking Time. e-bikes. It's good stuff. So that's been another episode of Zero Lift. We've hope you enjoyed us again. See us at the Zero Lift podcast, and uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter. And also, Emil is coming up. So please join us again for another live race on Twitter. Uh, we'll be discussing well, yeah, race this weekend. Live. It is this it's weekend. race weekend. It is race weekend. I've got you guys covered because I, I I pay attention to circuits. I don't do the roll racing, but I will find you in the circuit. Uh, that is for sure. So it's race weekend. Find us on Twitter. We'll be talking about it. I'm sure that Lenny will blast it out on his very popular uh, Twitter space, being that he does all his NFTs and everything like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it popular. Yeah. But yeah. You've sure. got you've got about a thousand more followers than me. I've got like thirty six on my personal Twitter, so I'm you know. I'm gonna start playing Oscar music, play you off here, Ryan. Let's do yeah. this. All right, we'll keep it pinned, folks. We'll see Wrap you next we'll see you next week. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around. We'll see ya.